Good afternoon, my friends. Happy Wednesday. The doctor is in the house. And welcome back to another episode of To Your Health with Dr. G. Oh, my goodness. Season three is kicking off hard and strong today. Welcome back, everybody. I'm so excited to be here. I had kind of a little five-week vacation just to kind of, uh, kind of really kind of back off a little bit. But now I've reflected. I've been very introspective. And now I'm ready, ready to be integrated back into this awesomeness. The health revolution continues on today's show. I tell you what, today is my 75th episode. I had to give an amazing shout out to my amazing wife, Tiffany Gomez. And the really, the thing is this, 75 episodes today, and we're really talking about opportunities for you. At the end of the day, I always talk about this. I want you to be successful in everything that you do, not just in your health, but also in your life. And when you lay down a good foundation of healthy living, the possibilities are going to be amazing. Possibilities are endless on what you can do with the awesomeness of life. So I'm so excited to be back here, and thank you all. Here's a 75 more. So today, we're bringing the thunder again, kicking off Season 3 of Two Years with Dr. G. Today's topic, Trapped, Avoiding New Year's Resolution Pitfalls. So before I went on my extended break, we actually talked about how do you set yourself up to really have healthy living in the new year. So here we are, y'all. It's been a couple weeks. Some of y'all are probably still sticking to those New Year's goals. Some people may have fallen off. But we're going to talk about what it's going to take to go from a vision to results and hopefully not have any step backs during that time frame. But again, if you lay down the foundation and you stay consistent through the good and the bad, I promise you, you will get to where you need to be. So I'm so excited to have everybody back. Again, my name is Dr. Mark Gomez. I'm a board-certified internal medicine physician practicing at Edward Hospital in Naperville, Illinois. I'm also a member of the American College of Lifestyle Medicine. Uh-huh. Because it really is about lifestyle, setting the foundation for success. And everything that you do, whether it's like what you're doing with your relationships, your nutrition, your diet, your sleep, your exercise, so many things have so much so much to do and they're so interconnected in your ability to succeed in your health and well-being. Of course, as always, always get your physical. New year, new you, new opportunities. Get your physical if you haven't had that done. So 75 episodes, I'm so grateful, and I want to thank all my guests that have been on the show before, all my guests my guests here that you'll meet in a few moments, they've been on here before, and all my future guests, is going to be awesome. So, welcome back again. Before we get started, I want to just hit you with a quick disclaimer. The content of To Your Health with Dr. G is for informational and entertainment purposes only, and that the content is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, and or treatment. Further details can be found at www.toyourhealthwithdrg.com slash disclaimer. So here we are. Trapped. We've all had that feeling. And you're going to hear from my guests, and they're going to help break this down. We've been there. We want to have our goals. You know, we, a lot of us have resolutions. Some people don't. But regardless of what direction you're going to go, we want you to have a clear direction and a clear vision on this path. So I cannot wait to break it down. As usual, we will get to one of my favorite sessions of the show each week, Myths versus Facts. Kind of like a, just kind of a Q&A or a frequently asked questions, but really to set the record straight. Because what we do on this show is set the foundation for building trust and delivering truth. So I want to introduce my guests today. They are amazing professionals of what they do. They've been on the show before. They are just just awesome. And that's why I have you both back here because I love you guys. Uh, you guys are amazing. And I can't do any of this. I can't do any of this without collaboration with like-minded individuals that want you to do well with your health. They truly practice that in their everyday lives with their, with their families, their clients, you name it. They're in this to help you succeed. So I cannot wait to introduce my guest. So here we go. My first guest today, she is awesome. She and I met a couple years ago and uh, we have a mutual connection and we've had just a great blossoming relationship ever since and I'm so excited to welcome you back. You've been on this show multiple times. I just love your insight on how you break things down, but also offering that hope of opportunity to people that, that, that knowing that they have a chance to do well if they have the right mindset, but also knowing that, hey, we're not perfect, uh, but we try to do our best and hopefully that'll lead to some great outcomes. So I want to introduce my guest, Dr. Susie Francis Best. Let me read you her credentials because they are fierce. Uh, she is HR Inclusive Diversity Lead Consultant, ERG Program Manager at Allstate Insurance Company. She's also the founder and president of Thrive Group International LLC. Check her out, www.thrivegroupinternational.com. Dr. Bess, welcome back to the show. Thank you so much. It's always good to be here, and congratulations. Oh, 75 is a big deal. I'm so excited. I, I can't. I, this is not possible with anybody. You know, thank you again for coming on my show. I'm at a loss of words now. It is what it is. <laughs> well, Dr. Bess, tell us a little bit about your background. Where did you do your training? And then kind of what is this theme about trapped, 
avoiding New Year's resolution pitfalls mean to you? Sure. Uh, basically, training uh, as a clinical psychologist uh, started at Wheaton College in the western suburbs, coming from St. Croix Virgin Islands, uh, and then went to um, the Chicago School of Professional Psychology and got my clinical master's and doctorate degrees, and then got a master's in business at North Park University to run a counseling center. Uh, and then um, went on to be a consultant, and that's where I started doing work at Allstate to help align our employee resource groups to business initiatives. Uh, but my passion is helping people go from good to great and to really realize their fullest potential, and that's what makes me happiest. So whether it's the show, doing trainings, or leadership development and coaching, which I do through Thrive, uh, that's what I feel when I feel like I'm doing what I was created to do. So thanks for helping me feel that way today. Oh, thank you. This is awesome. So excited. I want to introduce my next guest. She's been on the show before. I welcome her, welcoming her back. Uh, she and I found out when we, when we started working together and collaborating that we went to the same high school. Uh, now I'm just much older than she is. You know, it's just the reality. But uh, but we've been had a great uh, friendship and partnership developing ever since. So I'm so excited to welcome back my next guest, Lindsay Antman, BS NDTR. She's a holistic nutrition and eating psychology coach. She's owner of Mind Body Kitchen LLC. Check her out: www.mindbodykitchen.org. Lindsay, welcome back to the show. Thanks, Dr. G. So glad to be back. Hey, it's so awesome to have you here. Tell us a little bit about your background. How did you kind of get in the field that you're in? And maybe a few opening comments about what this theme today means of being trapped, trying our best to avoid New Year's resolution pitfalls. Yeah, so goals and resolutions. That's a big, heavy topic for some, right? And I'm excited to be here to talk about it. Um, so I used to deal with body image issues all around, and that carried me through high school and college, and I'm truly grateful for them in the end because it led me to the work that I'm doing today, coaching clients, um, helping them feel them best, their best from the inside out. Um, so I got my Bachelor of Science in Nutrition from Illinois State University, and then I went on to become a coach through the Institute for the Psychology of Eating. So grateful for that because without that, I wouldn't have been able to take my coaching from nutrition to so much more than what it is. Um, and these terms that we're th going to be throwing out there today, uh, relapses, pitfalls, feeling trapped, um, those words really hit home for me. Um, when I was at the height of my disordered eating and I was binge eating almost every single night, and it was like failure was a daily occurrence for me. So this feeling of why is, you know, all that I'm doing, watching my weight, eating well, exercising my brains out, like it's, what is that doing, right? And then I'm binge eating. So learning what I've learned and taking my challenge into a success. That's why I'm here, and it's why I'm so grateful for this topic. Wonderful. Well, thank you yeah. for coming back on the show today. So there you guys go. You met my amazing panel. You know what? I've got a pen and i got some paper, and I really say this. You know, you want to take notes. I mean, smart people take notes. Those are the words of my pastor at church, but it's true. Smart people take notes, but every day is an opportunity to learn, and I truly believe in lifelong learning. You know, the reality is that our daily lifestyle choices matter more than a lot of people realize. Uh, and we all want success. I don't think anybody wants to be set up for failure and things, but we all want success. Uh, and there's really other things that shape things, you know, the, the individual, uh, our social surroundings help shape our behaviors and how we interact. Uh, but really, I would say, like, from a health standpoint, we want to have balance in what we do. We want to have balance in our work, our family, our relationships, uh, exercise time, relaxation time. Because the reality is that if there's any self-neglect going on, that can lead to tragic consequences. And so when we're talking about today's show today on how do we try to avoid those pitfalls, how do we lay down the foundation for success, we're going to break that down. So I'm so excited. Here's the thing. Every week on the show, we talk about the chief complaint. The chief complaint is when somebody comes into the office, at least in my medical practice, and says, Dr. G, I'm here for this reason. So the situation of the hour, the chief complaint, here it is. What are the fundamental principles that we should follow to avoid New Year's resolution pitfalls. I'm going to start with Dr. Best. Where do we start with this topic? I mean, you're, see, you're, you're seeing clients all day long. You advise so many people. People have these goals, and sometimes, sometimes the goals may be little or small or big. How do you start out by just not setting yourself up for failure from the get-go? Yeah, uh, thinking through the topic, I was like, where do you start? Uh, so I think one of the, uh, I have a few, but one of the top ways is to first start with making sure that the, why you set the goal in the first place. Like, what is the thing you actually want to achieve? And making sure that that's what you keep in front of you. So whether your goal is 
I want to, I don't know, pray once a day. Well, is that just a, an action you want to do? Because if that's what you have, the failure rate is going to be higher. Where if you're saying, I want to feel more connected through the act of praying, then you're going to realize every time you don't do it that you're missing the very thing that you want, which is connection. So typically, if we actually keep the why in front of us, it helps us actually do the goal. And a lot of us create lists for the list sake, but we, are, we take for granted that we know the why, so we don't force ourselves to look at the why. Why do I want to lose 10 pounds? Or why do I want to exercise more? Why do I want to call a friend a day? Or why do I want to encourage someone? Or if it's a business goal, you know, why do I want to say good morning to my employees? If I remember, it's because I want people to feel connected with me before I walk out of the door, then that will be much more likely for me to do. I got you on that one. Uh, Susie, let me, uh, uh, sorry, um, Lindsay, let me ask you this. Piggybacking on what, she, what, what, what Dr. Vesta just said, the why, you know, I think about this, the what, um, and what you're saying, the what allows us to have the what, but we don't keep the why in front of us. But then how do you do, if you have the why, how do you do the how? How do you actually implement these kind of goals mm -hmm. that, that, that we're talking about? Yeah, well, I agree with everything Dr. Best said, and the why is big. You know, let's take a goal, for example, weight loss. It's one of the top resolutions oh of the new <laughs> year. I want to lose X amount of pounds, right? But think about why you want to lose the weight. For many people, they want more energy, they want to feel lighter, they want to be happier, they want to be confident in who they are, and they want to feel confident in their own skin. So rather than the goal being weight loss, that's not the true intentional goal. The true intentional goal is lightness, energy, happiness, and confidence. So what is going on in your whole life that's going to help you feel those things? Because if you're weighing yourself down by exercising like crazy and eating a meaningless diet and if you lack energy because you hate your job and you're not happy because you're unfulfilled in your relationship like there's all these other things that we can look at so um, not necessarily creating a step-by-step -step plan um, because sometimes that doesn't always follow through and I'm sure we'll get to that but keeping the why keeping the intention of what's truly behind your goal at the forefront of your mind is so important you know, one of the things I, I, I think about when I talk to my patients is striving to have balance. Uh, and, and you both have been mentioning things that tend to get in the way or things. I mean, the reality is we have a lot of priorities. It might be hard to sift through it. And, and you can argue that, you know, time is our biggest um, uh, commodity and you can't buy, can't buy it back and you can't buy it forward. And, and so how do you set that forward? Well, we know we have a lot of constraints on obligations. How do you set that forth when you're trying to now say, I need to have my discretion, so to speak, or discretionary time? How do you mix that in when you have so many obligations on the plate? I'll ask that question Dr. Best. That's a great question. Um, so I think with the how, if you know the why, so we'll stick with the weight loss, I want to lose 10 pounds so that um, I can fit back into my suit so that I don't have to spend money I don't want. <laughs> and I like what I look like yeah. better without clothes on in the mirror. I mean, let's just be real. Whatever those whys are. Then the how is those incremental. Because another um, pitfall I find that we um, all do is we have that big goal, like lose 10 pounds. But we don't have the how do I lose one pound. And so really break down the big goal. What are the little things that need to happen every day to make the one pound to make the smaller goal. So take the big goal and, you know, in order to lose 10 pounds, I have to lose a half a pound. I have to lose one pound. I have to lose oh something, you know, I want to see the scale move in the direction I'd like it to move once a week or every other day. But have an, a smaller incremental goal first. And the other would be put on the calendar when it's supposed to happen. Um, we've talked about this before with other things, but often we want to put on the calendar or we feel forced to live by calendars because of work or professionalism, so we all rebel and don't put on the calendar the things that actually mean the most to us. So whether it's time with family, whether it's the weight loss we want to do, we don't end up putting that on the calendar, and so then we don't respect it. Everything else, that, to your point, all the other competing priorities get done because they're on the calendar. So break it down into much smaller increments and say, I'm going to lose one pound a week by putting 20 minutes on the calendar in the middle of the day and the other thing is the accountability. Without accountability most of us won't achieve anything so if I say and then I'm going to tell Lindsay that every 3 p.m. you shouldn't find me or text me at 3 p.m. and I better be walking 
or mm -hmm. uh, taking my tea or doing something so that you have somebody who can actually check in with you. I like how you said, you know, the small, the smaller goals and writing them down. And, and you're actually talking about you have to literally create the time. Uh, and I think that's the, the, the challenge certainly when I think about my patients in my practice is how do you create it? But you just say, you just got to create it. Yeah. Like, like not saying like you think about it, actually do it. And I think sometimes that's the, that's the disconnect. But I love how you said, you know, we have these other priorities because they're on the calendar already. You know when you got to be at work. You know when you have to um, eat lunch. You know when you have to take the kids to school and all that stuff. That's already embedded in there. Wow, that's amazing that you got to just put it down. And so I would challenge people out there that are listening to the show right now, that's one of the first things that you can do is just write something down. But I like that, the consistency and the accountability part. Lindsay, let me ask you this. Uh, let's take that, what Dr. Bess is saying a little bit further. Uh, so say somebody is writing it down, and they're, they're hearing us now, and we're saying kind of your short-term goals, your short-term efforts will have a cumulative effect to get your maybe a much more bigger goal. Uh, so say somebody's going to write it down right now, um, should they? Should they just? What, what would you say if, like, somebody said, "Okay, I'm going to write down and I'm going to blast it out to my family and my loved ones"? Would that be okay to have people to say to be like kind of like your cheerleader? Sort of, but <laughs> just to chime on what um, Dr. Best was saying, you know, writing it down is awesome. It's a great strategy, but I also think there's so much more to setting goals than just writing them down and sticking to them. There has going back to the intention, the why, is the goal something that you truly want to do in your heart? And is it something that you can stick to consistently? Like maybe losing 10 pounds in a month is a big goal, but yes, you can lose, anybody can lose one pound, right? So the actual task of losing one pound could change. There's a million ways you can lose one pound because there's a million people, right, that everybody you know, has different things that work for them. So rather than keeping the action accountable, keep keep the intention accountable, right? Make sure that you have a supportive, a support system online or in person or at work or wherever who is going to keep supporting you no matter what it is that you're doing. So say somebody has, uh, some people are certainly fortunate to have those support systems, but say somebody may not have that and will be inclusive as much as possible. Um, and have equity, how does somebody who may have little support system, how do they now implement these kind of uh, strategies? I'll ask that question to Dr. Best. That's a good one. Yeah. Um, so one is maybe then one of the primary goals needs to be to figure out how to have a support system. Okay. Like getting outside of our heads, getting outside of our homes, getting outside of the screen, and whether you, I love the, the point, if, if the screen is your life, then find a way to have a support system on the screen. But I think then a deeper issue would be, what is causing one not to have anybody in your support system? You know, because I think that it makes life just difficult, period. So maybe a, a primary goal would be, find one person who can be in your corner. You're right, the whole family might then prod you, pressure you, tease you, um, and, and not be supportive, but finding one person who can be a cheerleader with you or walk a journey together with you. So if that's like, you know, I find so-and-so at work interesting or find so-and-so at church interesting or yeah. whatever to say, um, it does take some vulnerability, but say, you know, I'm just interested in walking. So back to that why. I'm interested in walking uh, once a day. You don't necessarily have to then disclose or be overly vulnerable. I want to lose weight, but I'm interested in walking and connecting with someone. So I think it's also saying what's causing one not to have a support system and how do you start somewhere? Um, how do you reach out to someone um, for that support? And if you have no one and right now is not that time, then I mean, I've read incredible stories of how people are their own best friends. Like um, whether it's the writing, the taking the picture and the saying self, we've got us. <laughs> and so we've got to do this. And you kind of have to split yourself into different parts and say, one of me is this strong part and one of me is going to kick my own butt, but um, we're going to get it done. And I, I know I've read books and I've read articles on when people have had to just be their own best friend. So if that, if that really is you, then I would say then you've got to get out of victim mode and get into um, superhero mode and just get it done. Yeah. Yeah, I think about uh, when I see patients in my clinical practice and we talk about this stuff, and I, I love for me as a doc, and I've uh, gone from looking at just numbers, because that's how we're trained as physicians. We look at numbers and data, and you tend to forget about the person that's right in front of you. And, and, and I think it's important to make sure that you're looking at the person very holistically. The numbers, yes, they're important, uh, but, but it's a person. 
And so I know for me, as I'm kind of, as, you know, well, let me say this. Every day is an opportunity to grow. We have to have personal growth on a daily basis through the good and the bad times because you will grow from all that stuff. So as i kind of grown through my career, now I can look at the person and really understand the person. And hopefully I can help lead them and hopefully help them create that same kind of insight that I've had. But, you know, you learn from those experiences. I always say this, you know, the past has already been written. You can write your future. It has not been written. Uh, but people need to hear that message. I think what we're talking about today is you got to hear that message. And maybe that might just be the catalyst that somebody needs to make those, those real changes. Let me ask this question to Lindsay. Uh, if we're talking about a vi- you know, being intentional, yes, you have to have a vision. And then you want to walk down that path of, inten- of being intentional. Uh, but walking down that path may get you to success. We're talking a little bit about pitfalls. What happens if somebody gets success, they get the results, and they go backwards? That might be, is that inevitable uh, for a lot of people, for most people? Uh, what happens if somebody may take a, you know, it's like, it's like, what is it, one step forward, two steps back, or the, I don't know the expression, but, but, you know, what happens if somebody does take that step back? Yeah, that's a big question. It's a hard one to face, and I I think it's important to not get discouraged. Um, Relapses don't always mean failure. Um, I like to look at it as a moment to pause and reflect. Because oftentimes we set these goals, um, like you were saying, you know, get up every day, 3 o'clock, and go for a walk. Well, that may not be realistic every single day, right? But if the intention is there that every day I'm going to do something towards my health, towards my career, towards my relationship, whatever it is that day that works for you, um, you know, it's okay to be flexible in your specifics around your goals. So when you have a relapse, rather than getting discouraged and giving up, take a moment, pause, and say, okay, what's working and what's not, and how can I reevaluate my path to keep myself on the same track? Wonderful. Susie, what's your thoughts on that? Somebody has success, they may take couple steps back, where do we go from there? Well, I'm also laughing to myself because uh, you, you handed uh, two coaches <laughs> something and I totally missed the ball, haha. <laughs> but um, if you are alone or having relapse, I mean, hello, that's why we're coaches. <laughs> oh, you're right, I didn't even think about that. <laughs> so we exist yeah. for yeah. that person mm-hmm. who um, has a huge support system or who doesn't have a support system, who needs a dedicated person in their corner to focus on them. Um, And that's what coaches are for. So um, coaching can help you not relapse, to be honest. Coaching can be that safe place where you can keep flexing, keep moving, keep making sure you're on par with your goal and have somebody who's literally, yes, you are paying them, but you're paying them to be all about you and to be in your corner to ensure that you're getting the result you want. And so I think that's a way of staving off the relapse. But I think if there is that relapse, the first thing is be graceful to yourself. I think a lot of us relapse even into further relapse because we start beating ourselves up when we have that step backwards and then we think oh well I've messed up anyway instead of saying okay so I took two steps backward but if I took five steps forward when I finally took two steps back at least I'm three steps still forward I think in the math uh, that I just created but (laughs) at the end of the day you're still you now have tools that you didn't have before you have practices you didn't have before so getting back on to that trajectory is going to be easier. And I think a lot of people give up too easy. If Don't beat yourself up. Instead, say, self, do an evaluation. Do that hard look and say, what caused this not to work for me? Was it that my why wasn't strong enough? Was it that I was focused on the wrong thing? Was it that I didn't pick the right time? Was it that I wasn't flexible enough? And now what's something that I can realistically do to get back to trying to achieve my goal? I always say with my patients, and I hear it all the time, where I see some really good numbers and you look at that, some metrics, the numbers could go great. Maybe somebody's blood sugar burdens less or their cholesterol is lower. And then you take that and you're like, yes. And then next thing you know, six months later, huh, numbers are back up again. And uh, blood sugar burdens back up, cholesterol's back up. And you do kind of say, like, what, what, what in the world's going on? And then when I ask people what happened, you know, I'm not, not trying to be judgmental, but I want to say, like, what, uh, what, anything that I could do, were there any barriers that have come up that we haven't foreseen? And then, you know, a lot of it is, those old habits that they that they yes. got got to kind of calm down came back in when you had that touch of success. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if it's more like is it ingrained in our mindset where it's like you have success and you want to celebrate, and then one little thing leads to the next thing, to the next, to the next. Uh, you know, I, I don't know. And that's why I think where it's like where we have these challenges, 
uh, what do we do? So let me ask this question to Lindsay. You know, say somebody is, you know, have you seen anything from in your field where people may, may have those relapses, they touch success, and then those bad habits creep back in, and then also those bad habits dominate again? You know, where do we, where do we go from there in people? I think it's a lot of what we said before, you know, just getting in touch with yourself and recognizing what, what has gone right. You know, like you said, take five se steps forward, two steps back, you're mm -hmm. still ahead. So we are all our own worst critics, and it's so important to have that person in your corner, whether it's a coach, whether it's a friend, whether it's a loved one, um, a partner, anyone who can be there to support you and say, hey, you're making progress. Um, one thing that I um, make it a point to do in my coaching with clients is every session, I acknowledge a success. Because... I'm the first one to notice it. My clients are the last ones to notice it, right? Because they've got their eye on the end goal. If you're someone who, you know, sits down December 30th and you're writing out all your New Year's resolutions, that's another thing too, is people try to make too many changes at once. So if you're that person who finds yourself falling off the wagon, I hate that phrase, but anyway, um, it's important to just pause and be like, okay, where do I go from here? Baby steps. Is so key and acknowledge your success. Susie, your thoughts? You know, I think some of it is even further back. Some of us go into the change we're making um, until we're successful so that we can get the life we wanted back. And I think some of us don't realize that the change we're making has to be permanent, especially when you talk about certain physical or mental health things. So if the type of thinking I'm choosing to do gets me out of depression, and yet then I uh, go back to, okay, now I'm feeling better, so that means I can go back to white sugar, or I can, whatever those things are, instead of realizing some of this is us actually saying goodbye to certain things and saying hello to a whole new lifestyle permanently. I think that if some of us really did whatever it is, the grief process, the reality <laughs> process of, this is us saying hello to a new life permanently, because I think of either people I've coached, I think of even family members I've had with, you know, they have the, the Dr. G on the other end going yeah. frustrated. Um, I mean, my own, uh, one of my own family members, the moment their blood sugar levels are normal, they say, see, I don't have diabetes. It's like, uh, no, it doesn't yeah, work that way. Totally you agree. still have diabetes. <laughs> it's just finally under control. control yes. But what happens is it's like, see, I've achieved it, therefore I can go back to the lifestyle I had versus like, no, see, the, what you're doing has gotten you here and now you've got to keep doing it for the rest of your life to have the life you want. And I think sometimes we, we sell ourselves short saying, I'll only exercise until I've lost the weight and then I'm good and now I don't have to do anything. You know, one, one of the things I, I tell my patients and one of the things that one of the tenets of lifestyle medicine is you want to make lifestyle choices the default choices. Yes. You've worked hard for that and now it's got to be there. And so, but who's going to be that agent of change? It's got to be you at the end of the day, but you have so many people around you. But again, I'll say it again. Make lifestyle choices the default choices. And I think if you do that, it's going to be great. So let me change topics a little bit. Let's talk about something, because one of the things when you think about, I want to go back to this thing about time. One of the things that we think about a lot, I'm going to use a couple buzzwords that people will like, but we've got to break down self-care. We've got to break down burnout. Because that's something that we see a lot, and it's across all industries. We're all feeling the pressure but we also talk a lot about, okay, it's a new year. It's a new me, new opportunities. I'm going to do more for myself. And then some of those things just don't happen because there may be burnout and also because of time. So I'm going to ask uh, Dr. Best, if I had to kind of t tell you to say, like, can you define, like, self-care for me and burnout and tell the difference for somebody who might be listening, uh, what's the difference between them? What, what's your kind of take on that? I'm going to give you a tough one. I know, I know. We can all take a stand with this. <laughs> yes, absolutely. So I would say, first off, burnout is often easiest uh, to identify when you recognize that things that used to give you energy, joy, fulfillment no longer do. So whether that's in a physical, spiritual, relational realm, if you're realizing that your go-to things aren't working anymore, that's one of the biggest signs. So the job you loved is not working. Or the spouse hasn't really changed that much, but to you they're terrible, or the children are, you know, you just have that, the glass is half empty on things that used to be um, fulfilling. Uh, that's a pretty good sign of burnout. Um, and then the, the self-care is, is, you know, there's all this literature now. Don't say balance, say fulfillment. But at the end of the day, what everyone is really trying to, 
talk about is you've got to have the, the things in our lives that we all, most of us, have things in our lives that are the things we have to do in order to then get to do the things we want to do. And being able to achieve enough of the things that fulfill us, bring us joy, bring us fulfillment in order um, to then do the things that we may just have to do that aren't our, you know, our best self or aren't the things we enjoy, I think is one of those ways to call self-care. So it's, um, I can't emphasize though enough, you have to pause and become your best friend. I, I have found a lot of coaching clients, clinical clients, um, business people, professionals, moms, um, people don't know themselves. And so when you give them this recipe of self-care, it's scary to them and they don't, they don't follow through. Uh, a quick example is I was a part of a, um, a, a professional development opportunity in the fall where they offered free coaching to anyone there. And it was over 100 people. And I was getting feedback today. Awesome. And the person who was the brainchild behind this was talking about their disappointment and how many of the coaches had to really follow up with people to get this free coaching. Like they were begging the person to get their free coaching and some didn't follow up. And he's like, Susie, I just, I just can't understand it. But I said, it's, it's fear. It's when those people thought, oh, I want to do this, they didn't know themselves enough to know what they were going to talk about. And so the, the, the first thing I would say with self-care is you've got to first take a few minutes to go through the scary and get to know yourself. Know what, what, what do you like? What do you enjoy? What, what doesn't bring you joy? So, uh, Lindsay, what's your take on self-care? I mean, do you have to be, I mean, I mean we're talking about what, what Dr. Best is really saying, you have to be deliberate. Yeah. And I love that word in your actions from a emotional, mental, physical, but you have to be deliberate. Uh, take that a little bit further. What's your take on self-care versus it's maybe polar opposite of burnout? I completely agree with everything you said. You know, it's, you, you have to pause and get to know yourself. And people are so afraid to do that, I believe, because they're afraid of what they might find out. They're afraid that, oh, well, if, if I slow down, then I'll just crash. Or if I slow down, then all my emotions will just waterfall out. You know, it's like people are afraid of their emotions. People are afraid of their own thoughts. Um, but that's the only way that we can know that we're really growing and that we're on the right path. Um, you hear it so many times, burnout uh, isn't just a one-day thing. Like, oh, you had a hard day at work, so now you're burned out. No, it's days and days and years and years of burnout and before you know it you're 40 and you have a heart attack I mean these things happen because it's it's a lifetime of learning about yourself and knowing when to slow down when to take a break when to ask for help um, so self-care um, it's it's really an evolving topic and yeah. it, it the definition changes based on who you ask and my definition changes day to day but really at the <laughs> so core, does mine. yeah at the core of it it's it's knowing yourself so well that you know it you know how to take care of yourself it's like when you're flying on an airplane and they say don't help others put on their oxygen mask before you put on your own yes. you cannot help others until you know how to help yourself that is just the truth Mm -hmm. I love how you just said that you have to, and both of you are saying you have to know yourself, and the reality is we, we need to take more time to do so. And so what our guests are challenging you, challenging you to do at home is to take those moments to get to know yourself deliberately and intentionally regarding your own mental, your own emotional, your own spiritual, your own physical health. From a medical standpoint, I always like to congratulate my patients when they come in for an annual physical. I go, this is self-care. You're here yes. today with intention. And now I'm going to hopefully not yell at you for having diabetes or something like that. But, but you're here today. You're taking that time. And then once you're done, you can integrate yourself back into life. So, but from a physical standpoint, I want to throw this out there because, uh, uh, Susie, you were mentioning some of the, maybe some of the emotional or uh, behavioral kind of things that may happen with somebody. You kind of almost point like some red flags where you're getting more detached or you're not as fulfilled at work or some of the, the relationships or, or maybe lack of focus. I think from a physical standpoint, I think some red flags that to look out for uh, are people that may have fatigue, yes. they may have um, restlessness, they may have insomnia, they, uh, sleep disturbances, uh, they, they may feel more agitated. Uh, I, I think those are kind of things they may have upset stomach, they may have headaches for no apparent reason, they may have musculoskeletal tension. And so there's a lot of physical symptoms that maybe not, not super specific because a lot of things may cause those things, but there are some signs that if you're feeling those kind of things, you're overly tired. You're, 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 you're sleep, you have sleep disturbances, you know, you have maybe some mood swings, you're physically tense, you're upset stomach headaches, uh, those kind of things. Those are some physical signs. Um, what about like some behavioral stuff? Have you seen anything maybe in, in the literature that says 
you know, is somebody going to act different if they're going through red flags of burnout? Yeah. No, I think you mentioned um, a lot of them, and I would say um, any more of them would be, again, similar, that, that if I've gone running and it's no, I, I'm too tired, so I think you're right, lethargy, yeah. exhaustion are huge, um, those mood swings, having that negativity, so neg be behaving in negative ways, so not, you know, if you're getting feedback from people you work with or family members that you're not um, fun to be around and you're feeling isolated or you're feeling that no one cares, so um, I think those are definitely some of those behaviors of burnout, just only being able to do what exists. So if you find yourself in the car and you don't even know how you get to work anymore because <laughs> you're it's a blur and you don't know how you got, you're just, you're just existing from one thing to the next. Because often, I, I love the point that was made, burnout comes over time. So often it's when you now are in automatic mode. You're checked out, but the car is driving itself. Um, that, I would say, is a different way um, to talk about burnout. I would I would also add one of the pieces that in, in knowing ourselves, the other piece is advocating. And it's top of mind for me because I had a coaching session earlier this week where uh, the client was really celebrating herself because she was able to say um, she's learned that although she lives a very extroverted life based on what we've talked about, she's an introvert, meaning her time alone uh, she's discovered in self-care means a lot to her. Her spouse is extrovert, meaning the more time he has with her and others and people and the more people in the house, the better. So here she had a vacation. He had the same vacation, but they ended up having a family with children with them the whole time. And so self-care um, is knowing yourself, but then also knowing how to advocate because within her cultural bounds and now with her spouse, she didn't want to disappoint her spouse. She didn't want to disappoint people who might see someone who wants to withdraw and be away during the holidays and have time alone. That can look like either burnout or something pathological mm -hmm. when for her it's like, this is my vacation so I can go back to work with more. I can go back to work with new ideas, new yes. energy. And when I do see you all, I can have the energy to cook or to be a hostess. And so she was so proud of herself that she uh, picked a few times when they were going out to, to stay in. And yet she did, though, in self-advocacy after the first time of trying to do it. And they were like, well, what's wrong with you? And she finally said she literally had to say, I'm not feeling well. So they were like, out of the uh, you know week, there were three days she wasn't feeling well. But that was the only way those around her could understand to leave her alone and let her be while they went out. But she said she was so proud of herself because that was self-care. She was able to advocate. And then she was able to stay at home, be quiet, do what she needed, and feel that energy again. So I, I want to highlight that, yes, part of self-care is not just the knowing yourself, but sometimes you've literally got to box out, fight for um, what you've discovered. Well, and she's being very, very truthful, too, in that situation. Mm -hmm. So let me ask this question before we get into the myths versus facts. Uh, I want to ask this question to Lindsay. You know, we're talking about these, you know, these, essentially we're choosing down, hopefully going down a pathway that's going to be full of successes. But at the end of the day, we have to make these changes, when I said earlier, make lifestyle changes the default ones, how do we go about creating this lasting behavior change? We're in the, we're kind of framing this in the mindset of this New Year's resolutions. How do we make these things that people have right now a lasting effect? What's your take on that? Again, I think it all comes back to, um, you know, baby steps and, and not trying to take on too many things at once because if you start small, eventually that small thing that you overcome becomes a habit so it's not something you have to think anymore and then you can add on the next layer and the next layer and the next layer so I'll give um, a personal example one of my um, New Year's intentions is to meditate um, and I've talked about meditation and mindfulness and all that but it's it's kind of a big thing to grasp <laughs> you know we, we understand what it is but do we really until we actually do it um, so I've even taken it to the next step and I've gone to a Buddhist temple and a Zen meditation center so I can really put myself in that environment and understand what it is. And these are people who can spend hours meditating and I can barely sit for five minutes without <laughs> realizing I'm worrying about what I need to do that day. So rather than setting the goal of meditating for 30 minutes every day, because that's a lot, I know I can do five minutes. That's realistic. And whether it's in the morning or in the middle of the day, I'm flexible with myself because I know if I can overcome five minutes a day and then that becomes a habit that I can't live without, then I can add on 10 minutes, 20 minutes, 30 minutes. So 
work in increments and be kind to yourself. Know when it's time to, you know, take a step back so that you can take a step forward. I love how we're talking very openly about this because we have to have these own honest and open conversations to talk about being realistic. So I wonderful. I mean, this is just awesome. So I want to get into something called myths versus facts. Uh, what I do each week on the show, we do myths versus facts, setting the record straight. Why not? Again, building trust and delivering truth. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to say a statement, and then my amazing panelists are either going to say myth or fact, and then tell us why. And we'll kind of do kind of a like boom, 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 boom. We'll kind of do it like a rapid fire. And um, I cannot wait. Again, we're talking about being walking in our own, walking with our own intention and being intentional. We have to have this kind of conversation with ourselves. So here we are. Let's set the record straight. Myths versus facts. Trapped, avoiding New Year's resolution pitfalls. Here we go. Dr. Betts, here we go. First statement. Self-care is not necessarily being selfish. Myth or fact? Oh, that is a fact. It is not selfish at all. <laughs> I love it. Please explain. I love it. Please explain. That's awesome. <laughs> that's that's true. I, I, I think explain. from the definition we typically think of as selfish, which is someone who is um, going to elevate themselves at the cost of others. Um, I think we, in the real definition, it can be seen as selfish because it is self-centered. Self-care is I've got to know me, so I've got to take the time to know me, not others, and then I've got to take the time to do something for me. I think for some people it's so clearly selfish that then they feel bad about it, where instead if they saw, I love that, I, I use the analogy of the airplane too, if they realize that is my oxygen mask. If I take that moment to be selfish, if that's the word they have to use, so that there's more of me to be selfless to others, then do that. But if, if So if you have to call it that, go for it. But uh, at the end of the day, it's only selfish enough to be able to be selfless in the end. Wonderful, thank you. Here we go. Lindsay, myths versus facts, here we go. Here's a statement. It is important to stay the course with our goals during both good and bad times. Yes. Yes? Fact. Fact. <laughs> um, Please explain. Stay in the you course. You know, as I mentioned before, um, it's important not to get discouraged, not to be hard on yourself. When you take a step back, reflect, and keep moving forward. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it does. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you have to stay. I mean, that's how we get personal growth at the, the end of the day, and we can grow all the time from our experiences. Here we go, Dr. Best. Here's a statement: Burnout is entirely preventable. Woo, that's okay, a hard one. one. Yeah. yeah, I don't even know the answer Woo. to that one, y'all. Uh, <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. Uh, in, in this world, entirely is a hard one. So uh, I would say, uh, 80-20 rule: burnout is. Um, <laughs> The, the majority of burnout is up to us to mitigate. So mm -hmm. I would say um, mostly fact in terms of burnout is something we can work to prevent. Excellent. Thank How's you. That, <laughs> hey, that is great. <laughs> I, was like, I don't even know the answer, y'all. That is a, that's a tough one. Here we go. All right, Lindsay, I like this one. People will not change unless they truly want to change. Totally a fact. Please explain. You can't make anybody do anything they don't want to do or anything that they're not ready to do. So you, you have to want it within yourself. Wonderful. Thank you. Here we go. Next statement. I like this one for Dr. Best. Being busy is a decision. Our priorities dictate what we choose to do. Oh, that's 100% fact. Please explain. Uh, I, I heard a great, I think it was a podcast that said that the person would not use the word busy anymore. And so I it's almost, <laughs> no, no I, it's in terms of how we define of ourselves. Course. And so I committed to, uh, it's been almost a year where I won't say, oh, I'm so busy or how are you? Life is busy. So I'll say life is full. And it's been awesome to see just even by stopping, by defining ourselves as human doings, not human beings. Uh, so yes, busy is something that we decide because we use society pressures or other messages that we have to do everything when really we have to be born and we have to die and everything else in between does have some level of choice to it. Wonderful. Thank you. Here we go. We'll do a couple more of these. Mm -hmm. Lindsay, I like this one here. Here we go. Sometimes we just need to get out of our own way to avoid relapsing on our New Year's goals. Fact. Please explain. <laughs> um, I, I think it's important to again get in touch with yourself as scary as that might sound for some people but you have to know what's in your mind what's in your heart what are your fears what are your doubts in order to pass them it's like um, you know one of my uh, mentors Mark David he says in order to find your way out of a forest if you're lost you have to acknowledge the fact that you're lost 
<laughs> a lot so, of us may not do that. <laughs> so, yes, getting out of your own way is a challenge, but before you can get out of your own way, you have to know what's in the way. Excellent. Uh, we like to always say kind of check your ego at the door. Um, but once you once you realize that that you're not perfect, uh, even though you might try to act like you're perfect or things like that, the possibilities of improvement are just unbelievable. But yes, gotta get out of your way. Uh, we also call that self sabotage. Uh, it sounds kind of kind of kind of bad there. Here we go. We'll do a couple more. I love this. Just the insight on this. What we're doing. Here we go. I like this one for Dr. Bess. I like this one. Here we go. Working toward a goal provides a major source of motivation to actually reach that goal, which in turn improves performance. Oh, that's a good fact. Please explain. Well, it's what we, everything in, in a nutshell of what we said. We have to know what we ultimately want to achieve in a certain period of time. We need to break it down into smaller increments to get it done. So that would be every day we need to know what part or how we're working on it. And ultimately, then that will give us the energy to achieve it. Wonderful. Thanks. Here we go. Last one on Mental Respects. Lindsay, this one's queued up for you. Here we go. You must evoke behavior change for those you care for before evoking behavior change for yourself. Those you care for before you evoke it in yourself. If I think I understand this correctly, I want to say myth. Yes. Right? Oh, that's what I say. I mean, it's your, your, yes. your, your call. Right? <laughs> like, like you have to be the agent of change. If, if you want others to be a certain way, feel a certain way, you have to act that way, too. I always talk about this um, just as an example. Women who come to me who have daughters, and they say, I just want my daughter to love her body and nourish herself and, and just have a good relationship with food. And then I ask them, well, how's your relationship with food? Mm -hmm. Right? Because people pick up, especially kids, kids pick up on these things mm -hmm. from their parents. Well, wonderful. Well, there you go, everybody. Thank you for an awesome Myths versus Facts. So we have about five minutes or so left. I want to uh, certainly acknowledge what we've been doing today and really trying to talk about the opportunities that are ahead, but really walking on this path and being intentional. So I said at the beginning of the show, we called it the chief complaint. Again, how do we lay down the foundations? What are the found foundation, the, 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 really the core principles of hopefully trying to avoid relapses or New Year's resolution pitfalls? That's the chief complaint. We're talking about the assessment and plan. And the assessment and plan when we come into the medical world is, all right, you've seen your person, the person's come into your office, you've done all your uh, evaluations, story, examinations, and now you're gonna render them a diagnosis and most importantly, a follow-up. So we're gonna break this up, we're gonna break it on down, bring it on home. So I'm gonna ask this to Lindsay, bring it on home for us. Give me three, you know, people that have been listening to the show right now, give me like three take-home points from, for, for, for people out there to be successful and not only just avoiding some pitfalls for their New Year's resolutions this year in the short term, but also how do we keep that from going on and avoiding pitfalls in the long run? Sure. A couple so take-home points. I would say the first thing you have to start with is pause, acknowledge where you are um, so that you know where you can go, right? Uh, the second would be, oh, I forgot what I was going to say. That's good. Take <laughs> be, your time. be honest with yourself, right? Excellent. Like be, tr be true about what your goals are. Are they in alignment with your intentions and what you really desire in life? Um, and then the third, you know, coming back to the self-care idea, yes, like self-care is everything, but um, are, are, do your goals have value? Like, are they selfish goals? Are you doing them for selfish reasons? Or at the end of the day, are your outcome, outcomes going to have a positive effect on those around you? Wonderful. Well, thank you, Lindsay, for just sharing some awesome insight and really helping people out there. Uh, Dr. Bess, give us a couple take-home points for people out there to be successful with today's theme are really realizing the goals and sustaining those goals. I'm gonna steal what Lindsay kept uh, uh, That's all right. making home runs with, which is just um, really don't do 20. Find one thing <laughs> and, and start with that. And I, I loved how uh, you broke it down because if you can get that one thing, you, you'll have energy. It will become that snowball effect. So I'd say um, make them realistic, worked with a client who realized that um, she had some very specific goals. I agreed with them, they sounded great. But now she's going to have a lifestyle change where her spouse is going to be traveling uh, at least five days a week and they have a small child. So it's like, okay, what? how realistic is what we said in November sounded very realistic. But when you're going home to a child by yourself five days a week, how realistic is the trajectory we were on? And so I think it's really important to, to, to try to stay within how realistic, given the variables I have, because then that'll stay burnout. She's not going to be frustrated anymore because she's not going to keep 
the goal she had in November, she's going to adjust to the reality of January, and then she won't be frustrated with what she's not accomplishing because she has the energy to focus on what she realistically can do. That's awesome. Well, thank you both very much. My final thoughts are this, and I'm going to start with a quote by Dr. William James, former professor, philosopher, psychologist at Harvard University. He said, act as if what you do makes a difference. It does. And I'll say this, always practice what you preach. Always be learning. Always be values oriented and always be a difference maker. The opportunities that you have right now may be the only opportunities that we have. Nothing's promised, but again, time. Take the time to invest in yourself. Take the time to invest in your health. Take the time to invest in your loved ones. Take the time to value your relationships. When you do that, the fulfillment that you have will be amazing and you'll get to those goals. So I want to thank my guests today. This has been awesome. Lindsay Antman, let me read her credentials again. Lindsay Antman, holistic nutrition and eating psychology coach, owner of Mind Body Kitchen LLC. Check her out www.mindbodykitchen.org. My great friend, Dr. Susie Best, check her out. She's all state insurance company, but founder and president of Thrive Group International LLC. Check her out at that site, www.thrivegroupinternational.com. Hey, y'all, this has been a great show. So you've been listening to watching live on Facebook at intellectualradio.com. This episode is written by Mark D. Gomez, MD, and Tiffany E.R. Gomez. Producer is Tiffany E.R. Gomez. Music is by the wonderful Mr. Havis. Copyright 2020 by MDG Wellness LLC. All rights reserved. Stay tuned for my next episode next week. The title is Seeing 2020 in 2020. Hey, check me out on my Facebook page. Check me out everywhere, www.drmarkgomez.com. Thanks for tuning in, guys. Stay well, stay blessed, and peace out.